Hey guys, it's Serena, and today's interview is with my good friend Raylena Licto. She she is an advanced grief recovery specialist with the Grief Recovery Institute. And the reason why I wanted to interview her was because I really felt like what she had to say about grief um, and what she's learned from becoming a grief recovery specialist, I think most people don't really know and they need to know, especially for um, us women out there, uh, we have a lot of grief that we've experienced throughout our lives, and I feel that what she has to share can really help um, all of us get to get through the grief that we feel um, and tap into the some grief that we've never even tapped into that we need to tap into in order to move on to the next level of our lives or just become a better person. So I hope you really enjoy this interview with Raylene and like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you think. Welcome to the Woman Warrior Tribe Podcast. My name is Serena. I'm a native of Guam, a Jiu-Jitsu purple belt, and a U.S. Marine, and also a mother. I'm here to share with you beauty, strength, healing, adventure, my story, and the stories of other beautiful women. Hey guys, um, we had a little bit of complications earlier, but we're going to keep keep going on, keep doing it. Yeah. Um, that's just technology. Um, I'm Serena of Women Warrior Tribe. And as you know, I like to interview really inspiring women who have a beautiful story to share. And uh, I have a really inspiring woman today with me, uh, Raylene, my good friend from Guam. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to share you guys, share her with you guys, her story, who she is, and um, just share the message that she has to really um, give to the world. Um, she is a grief, an advanced grief recovery specialist with the Grief Recovery Institute. She's a mother, a wife, and um, she's here today to show you her story. So Raylene, go ahead and just let's do this. Go ahead. Have a day, everyone. That means hello from Guam, and that's uh, in Chamorro, if you're not familiar. Um, again, my name is Raylene Alicto, and I'm so um, honored to share my time with you all today. Thank you, Serena, for having me. Um, when you reached out to me, I was uh, so humbled and um, honored to be a part of this with you. So thank you for taking your time, um, you know, considering you're expecting, I'm sure you'd very much rather be laying down and preparing for baby Zeke, but um, you're with us today. So there's much to celebrate in that. Um, as Serena mentioned, I am an advanced grief recovery specialist um, certified by the Grief Recovery Institute. And it's okay if grief recovery makes you feel a little uncomfortable or weirded out. Okay, I get it. It's not you know, those two words don't normally coexist. Um, I do apologize for the background noise. My um, fiance is doing my parents' yard. So it's a great day for us. We're making use of our um, 
86,400 <laughs> seconds that we have today, right? So um, again, don't worry if grief recovery makes you feel a little weird, makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Um, it's definitely not the topic of choice for most people. Um, so a little bit about me. I was born and raised on Guam. Um, I became a mother at the tender age of 19 years old. And um, immediately, I knew I had to get to work. I knew that I had to find a job and get started with earning money so that I could take care of my baby. Um, and that's exactly what I did. In 2012, I started working when I was uh, seven months pregnant with her. And I stayed at that job at a local bank for about 10 years. Um, and through it, I grew profoundly in my professional career. Um, and it definitely gave me the advantage of, you know, financial stability, right? Um, and that security. Um, now, this was in 2018. Uh, I eventually made my way to the human resources department of this local bank where I had attended a uh, presentation put on by a group of four women who uh, physically visited our uh, one of our locations to kind of share their program. And the program that they were there to share was um, on grief recovery. So I was there merely as an expectation of my job. And I didn't know that that, you know, those 40, 60 minutes were life-changing for me. After the presentation, you know, they kind of talked about grief and just to give you a little bit of insight on what grief is, right? Grief is not just experienced as a result of death. Um, and I think that's why it's such a deep, dark topic because most of us associate it with death. Um, surprisingly, grief is, um, it's a very uh, real experience for us humans, right? And grief, it can be defined in three ways by the Grief Recovery Institute. Um, grief can be defined as the normal and natural response to a loss of any kind, okay? the normal and natural emotional response to a loss of any kind. Um, the second definition is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So I'm gonna say that again. Grief can be uh, defined as the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And I didn't know this yet, but pregnancy produced feelings of grief for me for sure, mm -hmm. right? Um, and an example of that could be, you know, where it is a glorious occasion and, you know, you are happy and excited that you're bringing life into this world, um, conflicting feelings could be that you're also nervous, right? You're happy, but you're nervous. And conflicting feelings can coexist. They can sit at the same table. And that's what I learned through this program. Okay. Um, and the last uh, definition can be, uh, grief can be defined as the feeling of reaching out for someone who has always been or never been there, only to discover that when we need them one last time, they are no longer or still no longer there, okay? That definition could be um, a lot more relatable to like an estranged relationship, perhaps with a parent, um, or even just losing a parent, right? Having someone be there for you all the time and when you need them one last time, they're no longer there. 
um, or even the feeling of reaching out for someone who's never been there for you because we can experience grief with um, people that maybe we haven't met or we don't have the deepest connect connection with, right? Um, and the one thing that I learned through the Grief Recovery Institute is that every person has a unique relationship with an experience or with a person. And this is why everyone's grief journey is different, right? So mm -hmm. Rana, I'm going to give you an example of that. So a family, right? A mom and a dad, they have three children, right? Mom passes away. Each person, dad, and each of the three children have a unique relationship with mom. It's all unique. Mm -hmm. Just because we share the same loss doesn't mean the relationship is the same. It's all unique. And that's why every person's grief journey is different. And that was what I didn't understand. Um, it was something I, I, yeah, I was totally oblivious to, right? Um, and, and even so that children grieve. And so when I enrolled in this pilot program, it was a helping children with loss program. At the time, my daughter was going through some, you know, some life-changing events. And I thought, okay, um, you know, she's going through therapy once or twice a month, but majority of the time she's in my care. So what can I do? What can I learn to help better support my daughter? And so $25 for the pilot program seemed like a fair trade for some knowledge. And so I did it. After that, I had learned that I had been living with so much unresolved grief in my life. Serena, we all struggle with unresolved grief. We all walk around with that. And the reason why we struggle with unresolved grief is because maybe we don't even associate some of those experiences as grief experiences. Mm -hmm. um, after the program, I had time to review my entire inventory of losses in my life. And I had realized that my loss bank started to accumulate as early as my earliest memory. This could even be from when my mom weaned me off the bottle. Yeah. So when I no longer could stay home with her, I had to go to school, right? My first days of kindergarten and where this can be associated as, again, a glorious occasion, right? Parents, we share the news. My baby's first day of kindergarten, it's amazing. But what is the child feeling? How does the child feel, right? And so we've already went over what grief is. Grief is the conflicting feelings as a result of an end or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So some of my familiar patterns of behavior when I went off to kindergarten was that now I wasn't waking up to my mom, staying home with my mom, playing with my cousins outside my house. I had to go to school. There was a structure. There was a schedule. Now there was someone new taking care of me. Who's this teacher, right? And now I'm surrounded with 20 other kids, not just my one sister, yeah. Now I'm around 20 other kids. So tons of loss, tons of change, shifts and familiar patterns of behavior that started as early as when I was a child. Now, our belief system is what we gather as a result of each of these experiences, and we use it to form our belief, um, our lifelong beliefs sometimes, right? And what we learn as a result of these losses and, and what we accumulate in our belief system is how we respond later to the losses that come. Yeah. And so kind of understanding our behaviors, how we react to certain things, a lot of it has to deal with what we've experienced in the past. 
it almost always has everything to do with historical experiences, past relationships, losses from before. And where we don't maybe associate it with the now, it's got a lot to do with that. And so I always say that grief recovery kind of helped me work from the inside out, right? In our lives, we're taught how to acquire things. And this is something we learned from the Grief Recovery Institute is we do such a good job of acquiring things. We get our jobs, we get money, we, we, we get relationships, we date people, we have children, we, we're, we elevate in our careers, whatever that may be for you, we acquire things in our lives, right? And we're taught very well how to acquire them. But we're not given the best knowledge about what happens and how we can deal with it when we lose that, right? When we no longer have the things that we've acquired, when we lose our jobs, when we lose our partners, when we break up with somebody, when a pregnancy isn't successful, when that promotion you wanted so badly at work doesn't happen, right? What do we do when we lose those things? Well, what happens to us is we grieve, right? We start to feel the emotions, the conflicting emotions. We start to feel that change in familiar patterns of behavior. Um, and most especially, right, when we lose someone to death, it's such an impactful experience. And a lot of times our brain automatically starts reviewing the relationship of the loss and starts to go into all the things we wish we had done different, better, or more. Yes. And that's what happens when we lose something, we lose someone, when something shifts in our lives our brain immediately starts to review, what could I have done different, better, or more? And that's what it is with grief. It's, it's completing a relationship because it was incomplete for us. Um, that's, can I just say that that is such a, a shift for me, just listening to you talk about it and listening to you talk about how grief is not just, it, it doesn't have, it's not just like, one incident that happened in your life it's like all these things that accumulated over your whole childhood to teenage adolescence to adulthood and how that followed you um and if you see me I'm like writing notes actually because yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like mind blown by because we always talk about trauma um uh, we hear the word trauma being thrown around a lot but the word grief I feel like and grief and gr recovering from grief, especially, I feel like I don't really hear enough of that. I just hear people say, I was traumatized. I'm suffering from trauma and this is why I'm like this. But the recovery part of that, it's like, there was, it's like realizing that, that, tr that, that traumatic change or the, um, you were talking about the definition of grief, how there is an end or change of a familiar behavior or the relationship that you had with somebody or didn't have, but you wish you had. Um, I just, <laughs> I just, I, I'm so mind blown. Like it's really hitting me like in my soul <laughs> right now. But, um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to say that that's, I think this is such a powerful, um, a powerful thing that people don't even I, I feel like I'm already thinking of all my friends who would benefit from listening to what you're saying right now so I'm gonna send them this video yeah. <laughs> um this yeah. audio but yeah um you can go on though I just thought I'd say that it's um the grief recovery like just to think about 
how that actually is so necessary to trauma, whether it's small trauma or big trauma, it's like, you know, we always talk about it, but how do we actually do that? But, and of course, that's why you're here. <laughs> um, that's why you're sharing your story and your message, but you can continue. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and thank you for your, your feedback, Serena. Um, and that's another thing, right? Trauma is the experience. It's not the feeling. And that's what I've learned because mm. as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, I always thought that that was it for me, that the trauma I experienced was the trauma that I had to live with. Yeah. Um, and it was difficult. It was difficult because I had endured the sexual abuse um, most of my childhood. And I had only come out about it when I was a teenager because these feelings started to surface like oil on top of water. And I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why my reactions were certain reactions. I couldn't understand why I couldn't enjoy time with my friends. My mind was always wandering somewhere else, right? Yeah. I needed help, but I didn't have the resources. So finally I couldn't, and in and, and, and grief recovery, we always say that pain naturally finds its way out. It always will. Yeah. It has to. Pain is not meant to be contained and stored away for later. And we do a very good job of doing it for a while until finally, like a tea kettle, we burst, right? We burst from being under too much pressure or having too much heat underneath of us. Um, and it's okay. It's okay that we don't know how to navigate that. Because like I mentioned, we're so ill-equipped to deal with grief and loss. It's not even funny. It really isn't. You are so surprised, Serena. You're taken back by all this information. How you're feeling right now, I don't know exactly how you're feeling, but I can remember what I felt when I first got exposed to this information and I was totally mind blown. Makes me want to tear up right now. Are you feel Well, I just feel like, I feel relieved almost that um, I'm actually talking to you and discovering this and thinking like you know that there is a there there are people that are doing something about it and wanting to help others and just the fact that I mean I know that there's like mental health is such a big topic in society nowadays but um this just the way they've you know, what you've learned and then how you're sharing it. And uh, by the way, you're amazing at sharing and just speaking. <laughs> like you have an amazing like just, uh, energy about you. But, um, but yeah, um, I just, I feel, I almost feel relief like about it, but I also feel like um, I'm just really, I'm really excited to, to really dig in to, you know, what I'm going to learn from you and, uh, you know, just kind of dig into my personal, um, <laughs> my personal grief. Cause I, I think I'm a very emotional empathic person, but, um, I didn't really understand how to deal with when, when something would happen to me. Cause I'm, I'm super like, I like to, I guess, try to I'm like be the healer or be the, the peacemaker but I never really have peace inside myself 
and I always try to attain that. But I think what you were saying about reviewing or going over your childhood and seeing all those moments where you know you have you do have grief, you did have grief, and you didn't really recover from it. And I I'm realizing that like yeah, I definitely have you know times in my childhood and my teenage years and high school, um, even as an adult up to now. And we're experiencing all these things every single day. It's like adding up and it's like, what do we do with all this stuff, you know? So. Yes, absolutely. You're so right about that, Serena. And, you know, my number one advice to anyone of my clients, to anyone that, you know, wants to know more about this, I always say, just be kind to yourself, right? We don't know what we don't know. And it's okay that we don't know these things. What matters is that when we do learn it, how do we create the capacity for ourselves to make room for ourselves so that we can make room for others? Because it always starts here. It has to start here. And you said earlier about mental health and mental health is very important. And I also wanna to touch on that. We are not um, clinicians, we're not therapists. Yeah. Um, we are certified by the Grief Recovery Institute to teach an action-based method. Okay, so with grief recovery, grief recovery is an action-based method. There's a start and an end point. And in between, the client um, learns a set of skills that they can apply to almost any loss thereafter. So this is a lifelong investment um, to get this information, to learn it, and to know that you can apply it whenever you experience a loss in the future, whether it's the death of someone that you love and care about, um, a change in your health, um, yeah. you know, maybe you had to sell your car because you needed money. That's a loss because you had a unique relationship with that car. Yeah. Right. And similar to pets, similar to even a stranger, we can feel lost with a stranger, right? When yeah. someone passes away, a local celebrity, or even, you know, a movie star or a singer, we feel this feeling and we can't, we can't describe it, but we know we feel it. It's grief. Yeah. It's grief because now you're not going to be able to see them in movies. Now you're not going to be able to hear their music. Whatever they left is all that they left. And so how do we work through that? How do we navigate that? How do we honor those feelings of grief? And really, Serena, it's giving your heart a voice. It's shifting, it's shifting 12 inches from your head to your heart, right? Because a lot of times when our heart's broken, we're given intellectual tools to fix it. That's not going to work. It doesn't work. And in grief recovery, we always use the analogy, right? If I put you in a room and I gave you a screwdriver and a hammer and I told you to paint that room, could you paint that room? No. You can't. Those are not the right tools to paint the room. But if I put you in a room and I gave you a roller with paint, some masking tape and overalls, and I said, can you paint this room? You could paint the room because you have the tools that you need. And for most of our lives, we've lived with using the wrong tools to deal with pain and loss. That's all it is. So true. So after 2018 and rolling into that pilot program, I realized how impactful this was in my journey as a parent. 
understanding that my daughter, again, going back to my opening statement, she wasn't half human. She was grieving. Every point in her life, she was grieving from getting off the bottle to getting potty trained to switching daycares because I was always trying to find just the perfect one for her. Yeah. Um, you know, growing teeth, getting her first haircut, <clears throat> ridding of the toys she no longer played with to finally enrolling her into a preschool. All of that was change and loss for her. Yeah. And I had finally come to realize that, you know, if I was going to be oblivious to that her entire life, I don't know that if she and I could have an open relationship, I don't know that she could talk to me about things later on in the future, right? If I continue to be um, ill-equipped to help her with her emotional journey, and that's all that came down to. So the same group of women came back to me and said, what did you think about the program? And I thought, oh my gosh, it was life-changing. Thank you so much. And they said, well, hey, we're going to bring in a trainer from Australia. She's coming in. This is a little bit, you know, up ahead, 2019. Um, she's going to, you know, she's going to certify people. Are you interested? At the time, the local bank that I was working for said, sure, no problem. You're interested in that. Well, you know, it's kind of a way of you um, furthering your education. So let's do it. And I had support from my career. I had the drive to do it. And I enrolled into the certification program and that forever changed, changed my life. Yeah, I did a lot more work on myself. I had the opportunity to work from the inside out to understand truly how my belief systems were developed and, and understanding myself. I think that for me, I only understood who I was once I understood my pain. And the moment that I understood my pain, I welcomed that, I gave that a voice and I resurrected that from the deep trenches of my heart, I was able to heal from it. And it's only then that you can really heal from those kinds of experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And again, the first step is knowing what a loss is. Sometimes we don't even think that those things affect us because we don't associate them as losses, but they are. Um, and we're going to experience loss for as long as we live. Yeah. Things are gonna happen, change is gonna happen people are going to come and people are going to go. And how do we do that? How do we work from that? Serena, two years after I became certified as a grief recovery specialist, I had gotten pregnant. Finally, after seven years, we decided it was time to grow our family. And we wanted to give our daughter a sibling. And she was so excited and everyone around us was so excited for us. I made it up until 12 weeks before I lost, I lost the baby. I had woken up that morning. I dropped my daughter off to school. My fiance went to work. I called my job. I said, hey, I know there's a meeting at eight o'clock. I'm gonna be late. I'm gonna go to my prenatal checkup and I'll be in right after. My life completely changed. Mm -hmm. um, that was you know, such a great loss for me going into that appointment alone. You know, I went in thinking I was gonna go in, you know, have this checkup, go you know, get out and go back to work. And when the doctor couldn't find the heartbeat, you know, even as a grief recovery specialist, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to come out of this. I really don't. Yeah. At the time when I was working in HR, I was responsible for handling maternity leave. Um, and so it was difficult for me to go back to work. There were, you know, a few other women who were pregnant at the same time. And you know, my job was helping new moms navigate their leave and their benefits and new dads as well. And I, I didn't think that I could do it. I'm sorry. 
Thank you. It was it was a really, really hard time for me. Um, after that, I, I named my baby Angel. I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but I thought Angel was fitting because it's a unisex name. So after we lost Angel, yeah, I did the grief recovery work on Angel. And as I mentioned earlier, you acquire these set of tools that you can apply to any loss that you experience in the future. And so that's exactly what I did. I did the grief recovery method on my angel. Um, and after one month, I was back to work, um, though I was still sad about it. And that's the thing about grief recovery. It's not a once a one-time fix all, right? Um, understanding that grief is a normal and natural human experience is the first step to welcoming that, opening yourself to that and, and learning how to navigate that in a helpful way, in a healthy way rather. So I was able to go back to work and um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a rough time. We all had a unique relationship with the baby too. That was another thing that I had learned through that experience was I had a unique uh, relationship because I had my unique um, expectations for that relationship. And even though the baby wasn't born, right, the, the physical body was not there, you can still have a relationship with the baby, right, with the embryo or with the fetus. And for me, I had a unique relationship because I had hopes, dreams, and expectations for my baby, as did the father and our daughter. So we each had our set of hopes, dreams, and expectations. And Serena, that's what happens when we grieve. Our hopes, dreams, and expectations um, no longer exist, or, or rather, we come to the realization that there's a change in that our hopes, dreams, and expectations for a certain relationship has changed because either they've passed away, yeah. maybe the, the relationship has been severed, right? And it can go with romantic relationships too. When we have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and we break up with them, our hopes, dreams, and expectation for that relationship has shifted. And so what is it that we're losing? We're losing everything we hoped for that relationship, everything we expected for that relationship. Yeah. everything we dreamed for. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we immediately start to review all the things we wish were different, better, or more, right? And it's okay. Um, and as a grief recovery specialist, we're here to help people navigate that, to teach them the methods so that they can navigate that um, themselves in the future. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who, you know, who is interested in learning more, I urge you to visit uh, thegriefrecoverymethod.com. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's the website that you can learn more about going through um, any certification courses. Um, and even the book, you can buy the Grief Recovery Handbook. It's exactly that. You can find it on Amazon or at your maybe local bestseller or yeah. bookstore um the grief recovery handbook it's a purple handbook and the, you learn the method throughout the book it's great if you uh read it with a partner um if you know you don't want to um invest in working with a specialist you could definitely pick the book up and read it at your leisure you still get such a wealth of information from it anyway um but what makes me an advanced grief recovery specialist is i can um, facilitate the method in person, or I can facil facilitate it um, on Zoom or like on a online platform. 
And so, you know, I can really work with clients, um, you know, to help guide them through the method if it's more convenient for them online or in person. Yeah, I just want to say I'm very sorry for your loss. And um, I do remember when you did post about it. And at the time, I, I, I wasn't, obviously, I wasn't pregnant. But I remember reading it and I just thought how, you know, um, I guess being pregnant now, especially, and just understanding the relationship that I have with the baby, even though I can't see it and uh, it's still very surreal. um, I think about the birth and I think about meeting the baby and it's very, it's like a very emotional thought that I have like it's very like wow this the baby's gonna have a face you know gonna have gonna cry and I'm gonna meet the baby like face to face and I just just hearing what you experienced um even at 12 weeks um I feel like especially when I read your post at the time you know I I I read it and I felt you you really made me feel the the pain but also the love that you had um and the relationship that you had with the the baby even at 12 weeks um i think that's such a unique just using the word unique relationship you know um i think a lot of people who are listening who have experienced um miscarriage especially will listen to it and, and listen to what you went through and be like yeah, wow, that's so true that I had a unique relationship, the father had a unique unique relationship, and whoever else um, in the family. I think that's a really important um, aspect of, you know, grieving to, to identify is that you're, yes, you're going through it, but the other people that are close to you are also going through it in their own way. Um, but, but yeah, I just, I just think that you're so strong and um, for you to even go back to work and you're talking about how you, uh, you deal with the maternity leave and all that stuff. Um, I, I think that's just very strong of you to, to really face um, with your loss. And I really commend you for that. I, I think it's your, I, I, I just feel like, at this point too I can't imagine how I would go through something like that now being pregnant as well um and yeah I just commend you for that Raylene so another thing that I want to share with everyone is that um the losses that we experience in our life we experience them at a hundred percent okay what does that that means that we can't compare our losses to anyone else, right? For example, Serena, um, my sister had uh, lost her daughter as well in 2016. Um, She had a stillbirth at eight months. And so my niece Nova was born, right? And she was a full, um, she was a fully developed baby. 
um, and she had passed in the womb and my sister had to give birth to her. And so that was a really, really hard time for our family. Now, what I learned in grief recovery is I also lost my, I lost my baby too, right? And some people might come in and say, well, you know, you're lucky your baby didn't have a face yet. Or, you know, it was technically a miscarriage. It wasn't a stillborn. Um, so your pain should not be as great as your sister's or vice versa. Um, the one mistake that I think many people make is comparing their loss, comparing losses, period. We can't do that. Because when a person experiences a loss, they experience it, it they experience it at 100% for them. So the loss of my second pregnancy was experienced by me at 100%. I felt every feeling immensely. And because of that, it isn't fair to compare my loss to my sister's loss. Yeah. Right. And, and so and we had a funeral for my, my niece, Nova. You know, she's, she was laid to rest at a local cemetery. Um, and that loss was a huge loss for us as well. And I can't even imagine what my sister was feeling. And I'll never, ever compare what I went through to what she went through. And we both understand that our losses were unique and we experienced it at 100% for us, as did the fathers and the siblings involved and our parents as well, right? Our parents, it was a loss for the entire family. And so understanding that is very important is that your loss is experienced at 100%. Sometimes, you know, another example could be a woman loses her husband to cancer versus a woman who loses her husband to a tragic motorcycle accident. You know, a lot of times there's going to be people that are going to say, well, you know, woman A knew her husband was sick, knew he had cancer, and so she shouldn't really be as sad, right? Because woman B, that was untimely, and it was tragic, and that wasn't, you know, she wasn't expecting that. It doesn't matter. What matters is that each woman lost their husband, and they're each experiencing that loss at 100% because they each had a unique relationship with their husbands. Yeah. So grief recovery really teaches us how to honor that. Um, and healing is possible. There's, it's never too late to heal from a loss. It's never too late. Even losses, from, even losses from forever ago. It's, yeah. never too, it's never too late to heal. It's never too soon even. Serena, I told you earlier that it's um, based on the studies because the grief recovery method is also evidence-based, okay? What does evidence-based mean? It means that it's, um, it's studied by, I believe it's a, I could be wrong, I don't, okay, I shouldn't say it, but by one of the universities in the States, in the mainland, um, that measures the, I guess, the results of the program. And um, based on the results, um, the feedback from the clients, it's uh, proven to be effective, right? And so that's why it has, a, it has an evidence-based seal. So the grief recovery method is the only evidence-based method in the world. Wow. Now, I want to say that again. The grief recovery method is the only evidence-based method in the world, okay? And where it's different from therapy and, um, you know, other types of services from licensed clinicians and psychologists, it can work in conjunction with that. So it's always good to add to your toolbox. It's always good to have helpful things to help you, right? It's, you can never have too much of that is all I'm saying. So yep, with it being evidence-based, um, 
it's been around for over 40 years, this grief recovery method, and it's helped thousands of grievers. Um, and a little bit of insight, maybe I should have started with this, but the grief recovery method was founded by um, John James and Russell Friedman. Um, yeah. And uh, what it was, was back then, um, John, he lost his son, um, infant child on top of that he was like a he was a veteran as well so he was struggling with a lot and he was seeking um you know professional services when he had discovered that none of it was helpful for him and so he kind of started doing his own research and he developed the method and he began sharing it with friends you know just around his little city and then eventually these people were so floored by how effective his method was that they started sharing it and it spread like wildfire um, and that's how kind of grief recovery came to be. And it's a very practical program, Serena. It's a set of action-based um, approaches, right? Um, and we always say it's, it's, it's heart work. It's not hard work. It's heart work, right? It's hard work yeah. because you have to really take time to review that, to review your losses, to honor that, and to share that, right? To give that a voice. Um, and it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes. I understand how uncomfortable that can be because we live in a world, Serena, where it's not okay to share negative feelings. Yeah. It's not okay. People are on Instagram. They're doing lives. They're sharing all of the times they acquire things, right? They're sharing yeah. their brand new houses. They're sharing their promotions at their jobs, the brand new cars. They just got engaged, just had a baby. That's amazing, and it's great to celebrate that. But no one's on social media sharing the losses, sharing the difficult, challenging parts of their journey. And so we feel a little foreign, right? We're in like foreign territory. How do we even share this? How do we share my sad? How do I share my sad feelings? How do I share this loss? Do I share it at all? Because no one's doing it. Where is a safe place for me, right? And it's about finding a safe place. Yeah. I think have, I was going to say, I think a lot of times people associate the like losses with shame and like embarrassment, you know, and they're like, they think that ugh, if they share it, you know, people are going to say something or, you know, think that I, I think that they, they had some fault in it, you know, or, um, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of myself if when I share losses, I, I kind of, I, when I think of my losses, I think of the shame that I associate it with. Mm -hmm. What could I, like you said before, what could I have done to stop it, to, to prevent this, to prevent the loss? What could I have done better? And that a lot of times people, they're, they feel shameful because of that, because they didn't do, you know, like what, could have prevented it yes and in grief recovery Serena, we learn about the myths of grief and it's important to understand what we have been conditioned to believe is true and helpful before we can be open to what is truly helpful right so there's six myths of grief i'll go over a few um some of the more impactful ones right some of the ones that are um that we hear all the time um one is be strong, okay? Yeah. You don't hear it all the time. Serena, I'm so sorry. Be strong, be strong. Be strong 
all that does and why it's a myth is because that translates to don't share what you're feeling, pretend like you're okay, mm-hmm. because there's so many people that are counting on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where that's what be strong translates to. Another myth is don't feel bad. Serena, don't feel bad. Raylene, don't feel bad. You could try again. Don't feel bad. You're so young. You can get pregnant again. And where a lot of times it's intellectually true. Yes, intellectually, my body can produce another baby, right? I can intellectually um, get pregnant again. I can intellectually attain another job or find another partner, you know, get into another romantic relationship. But because that relationship was unique, that is not helpful, right? And don't feel bad. Also, the first two words of don't feel bad is don't feel. So again, our society only welcomes happy feelings, happy emotions. We don't even know what to do with the negative ones or the sad ones, let alone understand that they could coexist at the same time. Remember, conflicting feelings, happy and sad, right? So don't feel bad also translates to don't feel what you're feeling. Again, um, and this this is reinforced, um, this is even taught as early as when we're children, Serena, when we're crying and our parents say, go to your room, fix your face, don't come out here. I don't want to see you until you're happy again, right? That's really what it is. And so we don't even know what to do with how we're feeling, but it's all natural. Well, um, another myth that we, um, that the Grief Recovery Institute has discovered to be unhelpful based on studies and surveys is time heals. Mm. Serena, Time in and of itself does not heal anything. Time does not have healing properties. Yeah. It's what we do in time to heal. What do we do in time? Those actions that we take to learn new things, to do what we need to do to heal. That's what happens in time. Time in and of itself, however, doesn't heal. So we did be strong, um, don't feel bad, time heals. Another one, Serena, is keep busy. Keep busy. And and sometimes we see that. We see that our friends are struggling. We see that they've just endured a loss, but yet they're working two jobs, going to school, raising a family, and hustling on their, you know, their side business, right? Keeping busy is, it works until it doesn't. Yeah. It works until you go home and you lay in your bed and you realize that You can't run from your pain. You can't. Mm -hmm. It's always going to find a way out, right? So time in and of itself doesn't heal. Um, Another one is be strong. Don't feel bad. Time heals. Um, Keep busy. Yes, keep busy. Another one is replace the loss. What is it? Replace the loss. So replacing the loss is something we're taught at such an early age, right? Does this sound familiar, Serena? You go to the carnival, you play a game, you win a goldfish, you bring your goldfish home and it dies. And then your parents buy you another one. Yeah. But you had a unique relationship with that goldfish, right? Yeah. That was the goldfish you wanted at the carnival. That was the goldfish you wanted the game that your dad was there with you. He paid for the game and he watched you play it. And now you have that goldfish. There's so many things that are important to you in that relationship with that goldfish. It's not as easy as replacing it. And so that idea, we start to 
over and over again recondition that same idea when we get a dog and our dog dies, when we get a bike and someone steals our bike or we outgrow that bike, we get a new one. And, and it goes on to relationships, our first love, if you will, your first crush. That doesn't work out, so you date someone else. You find a new partner, we replace the loss, right? And it doesn't work for us because we had unique relationships with that person or thing or place, even a house. Yeah. You have to move out because you got evicted or you can't afford the mortgage anymore or you're moving. You're simply moving because you got a better job, a job that pays more, conflicting feelings. You're happy, you're going to be earning more money, but you have to move from the place that you call home. Yeah. That's Right. Wow. Um, so that's one, two, three, four, five. And then the sixth myth, you know, it's funny, us grief recovery specialists, we always say we always forget the sixth one, but it's yeah. never the same one that we forget. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Okay, so we be strong, don't feel bad, time heals, keep busy, replace the loss, and you know, just give me a moment here. Yeah. I really like the I really resonate with the keep busy part because I do that a lot um Great. yeah and I tend to to jump a lot from different phases or different things or especially before the military I, ju I jumped around a lot when I um yeah if I lost a job or didn't want to stay there I jumped to replace to replace it <laughs> and I yeah I mean I, I'm just seeing my patterns in all of these myths <laughs> you know yeah I found the last one okay okay and the last myth of uh this these are the six myths of grief so the sixth one is grieve alone okay. yeah. um does this sound familiar um yeah. Man, you know, Raylene is going through a hard time. I, I know she's, I know she just lost her grandma, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to call her right now. I want to give her some time. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. I want to give them time, right? It's not helpful. We need to talk about how we're feeling and what we're going through. And the more that we isolate ourselves and the more that we isolate each other, we reinforce that idea, which is obviously not helpful. Yeah. It's not. It's not because it also translates to don't share what you're feeling. Negative feelings are not welcomed here. Come back when you're happy again. That's what that translates to. And it's so conflicting because we're humans. And part of being humans are experiencing natural emotions. And emotions are not just good ones. Yeah. Sometimes they're not so good ones. And it's okay. You're not broken. You're not defective. There's nothing wrong with you. And I always, you know, this is another um, philosophy we have in the grief recovery. Just because your heart is broken doesn't mean you're broken, right? Wow, that is, yeah. that is a great, oh my gosh. I've never heard that before. Yeah, oh it's important to know that. It's important to know that because you can, you can totally heal. You can heal from any loss. That's what the grief recovery method has taught me. You can heal from any loss. Wow. It's hard work. Remember that. It's hard work. We 
we have to be honest and transparent. And that's another thing I think that a lot of people struggle with is transparency, authenticity, and honesty about what you're going through. Because again, going back to the world we live in, we live in a perfect world, right? Instagram models, everyone's shaped perfectly. Everyone, their skin is glowing. I mean, their hair is shiny. It's a perfect world. Where do we fit in? But it's not, it's not a perfect world. It's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to miss that job. Even though you're on to bigger things and your job's paying you $5 more, it's okay to miss that job. Yeah. It's okay to miss the people you worked with. It's okay to be sad about losing a baby you never saw the face of. Can I ask you, um, and if, if it's too much, then I, I totally understand. I just wanted to ask, um, was it, uh, was it hard or what was it like to, I guess, I guess, sorry, did you feel like you had to tell your coworkers or everyone around you about what happened immediately? Or, um, I'm just curious, like, um, cause I'm thinking about what if I was in that situation and I feel like I automatically feel like I have to, you know, tell everybody not really, not really share what I'm feeling, but kind of like tell everybody what happened because, you know, it's work and they might think something. And, uh, you know, I, I was just curious how you dealt with th- that situation in the work environment. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I'm making sense with that I question. Know, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, you know, and I think once we free ourselves from judging ourselves, mm-hmm. we create a lot more room for other people. And a lot of times it starts with us, right? I shared with my coworkers what I was going through because first of all, I needed to give my pain a voice. If I was at work and I saw something or I heard something or I smelled something and it was difficult for me, I had to tell somebody about what I was going through because otherwise they wouldn't know how to support me. And I think identifying that we all need support, being okay with needing support is a huge factor in someone's healing healing journey. So yes, Serena, I would tell them like, hey, I... I need a moment. I'm sorry. I'm just, I heard this song and I'm feeling really sad right now. I honor my feelings. I give myself the opportunity to feel the natural human emotion that wants to come out. Yeah. And a lot of times you'd be surprised at how much better you feel when you cry it out, how much better you feel when you're telling someone what you're going through, because we swallow a lot of that. That's how it becomes unresolved grief. We swallow it and then it stays here and it's so heavy. And before you know it, you're trying to do this inventory of lost experiences and you realize there is just a compilation of unresolved grief, things that you've swallowed and choked on and, and, and buried somewhere deep down. And the grief recovery method, because it's intended for you to heal from that, I knew that it was important for me to share my journey. And you know, well, yeah. And another thing is that that really clashed with culture, okay? There's a lot of cultural beliefs that also contribute to our belief system. Remember this whole bubble of beliefs I told you that we form? A lot of it is injected with cultural beliefs as well. On top of beliefs that you come to, uh, uh, 
on top of the beliefs that you gather as a result of your experience alone, there's cultural beliefs, right? And so this be strong thing was a big cultural thing for me as a Chamorro woman. Yes. Be strong. You have to be strong. Oh my God. If you're not strong, you're weak. That, that for me is not true. It wasn't true for me. Or don't, don't tell, don't talk about it because, you know, that's, that's your own business and you don't need anybody else to be in your business. I mean, I can just hear, you know, hear the cultural, um, just all of the the things, you know, that we learned from our nanas and our tatas and our, our, and, you know, Serena, we call them well-meaning ill-informed. Yeah. Our families and our friends are well-meaning, but they're very ill-informed, ill-equipped to help us through grief. And that's why most people seek professional services or services outside, right? Because we lack the knowledge. We really do. And so, you know, I always tell my clients, you don't have to share every detail about your experience if you're not comfortable sharing that. But at most, you must share how you're feeling. That's what's important. Share how you're feeling. Serena, if you are having turmoil in a relationship in your life, you don't have to tell a safe person, all the details of that, just that today you're having a hard time, you're feeling a little angry, you're feeling um, anxious, you're sad, you're upset, you're happy. Um, And just to have that person sit and be in ears and no mouth, right? To be a heart with ears. We always do this, we draw a heart, we put an X over where the mouth would be and we draw ears. Because a lot of times listening is a skill too. And we need, safe, we need safe people to listen to us. And sometimes when we set that tone of the conversation, if I come to you and I say, Serena, I'm going through a really hard time. Do you think you can sit and listen to me? I don't need advice. I don't need to be fixed. I just need you to listen to me with dignity and respect. Can you do that? Serena, you're going to become a much better listener once you're relieved of the responsibility of coming up with the right things to say. Because a lot of times we think people come to us because they need our advice, like they need to be fixed. And so while they're talking, we're already trying to think about how we're going to fix them. We're trying to think about all the things we want to say to them to help them out of this rut. But they don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be judged. They know how they're feeling. They don't need you to tell them how they're feeling. They just need to be heard. A grieving person just needs to be heard. And it's so cliche, right, to say, you know, to give, to talk about how you're feeling, but you'll be surprised at the power that lies behind giving your pain a voice. Just try it one day. Yes. No, I give your pain a voice, give your heart a voice. I got to take care of your heart. Your heart is, you know, the most essential organ of your body. It pumps blood to the rest of your body you know to me it contains the soul and it's so important to take care of your heart you know we do a good job of running two miles a day taking care of our body going to the doctor taking care of our health you know um reading books on self-help taking care of our mental health but how do we take care of our heart have we taken good care of our heart wow that is so true that's just and the image you gave of the heart with the closed mouth but open ears I mean I'm thinking like of myself how I I I do like to be the one to give advice I I think everybody likes to give their input but we don't really think about 
you know, how would we feel in that situation? We probably wouldn't really care about, you know, what someone had to say. We probably just wanted someone to just love us and hear us. Be heard. Yes. And, you know, yeah. there's um, one of my favorite books, um, Serena is Breaking the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And Brene Brown says that vulnerability is the most accurate measure of courage. And I don't think that people, as much as they don't associate grief and recovery, I don't think people associate courage with vulnerability. But that's the, that's the only measure of courage is to be vulnerable to, and Brene says to allow yourself to show up and be seen when you can't control the outcome. And it's okay when we can't. We live in a world, Serena, where we can edit the things that go on social media. We can do ourselves up and be perfect on the reels. But to be real, raw, and vulnerable, it's hard for people to do that because I don't think that they feel like they have a safe place to do it, right? And so a lot of times our grief and it being unresolved and incomplete leads us to STIRBS. And STIRBS is what we call short-term energy-relieving behaviors, Sturbs can be positive or negative. A sturb can be drinking alcohol. A sturb can even be exercising. You ever meet people who just religiously exercise all the time? And you know, it's like, you know, they're going through something, you know, that they've just endured a loss yet, you know, they're at the gym five o'clock in the morning for hours, right? A lot of times we engage in sturbs, these short-term energy relieving behaviors, because that's all that they are for a short-term for a short time, it helps relieve, but it doesn't heal. So some of my stirbs when I had lost the baby was I, you know, I smoked cigarettes. I was a smoker before I got pregnant with Angel. I didn't smoke during my pregnancy. And of course, after I found out that, you know, I miscarried, I began smoking again and I smoked a lot. I sat at the back of my house every morning after I dropped my daughter to school and my fiance went off to work. I was on FMLA leave, um, recovering from, um, you know, the DNC that I had to, you know, undergo and I would smoke cigarettes. So that was one of my stirbs. Um, some people, you know, retail therapy is we, we humor around it, but spending money is also another way that people relieve, you know, the pain from grief and loss. It's yeah. another script that we engage in. Are yeah. you um, resonating with, with this information? Are there any perhaps stirbs that you've, you can identify with yourself? Too many. <laughs> um, the spending money part for sure. Um, spending money. Um, How about eating, eating out? Eating, for sure, eating. Um, Eating out, yes, eating out. Uh, I think that was eating out was a lot of what I did in the maybe when I in my earlier stages of uh, or well in my early twenties, um, mm-hmm. I did eat out a lot. Um, spending money was a big a big issue of mine. I could never save anything. <laughs> I just you know, and even if I had. Like, I remember when I had like three jobs at one point and like, I still didn't manage to save anything. And um, like I said earlier, I was like trying to replace 
a loss of something and I was trying to keep busy, but I wasn't good at saving money. I was, you know, doing the whole Sturbs thing. And I was working out a lot too. I was like going to CrossFit in the morning and jujitsu at night. And I think I was like 19 or 20. I, I was either like 20 or 21 at the time. And uh, I had moved out of my parents' place for the first time. No, I think I was like 19. Yeah, I moved out and um, I did, yeah, I guess realizing it, I was balancing a lot of jobs and balancing my passions, not saving. And I was, I guess I really wasn't really understanding what I was, the change that I was going through. I think I was just trying to keep busy but it was really hard for me too. I mean, uh, I had some friendships that were also just kind of failing around me too. And I didn't know, I didn't know why. So I'm thinking about all of that and it's definitely a lot to dig into, but I, I resonate with the disturbs for sure. I think anybody who listens can think of certain habits that they resort to, um, you know, that they resort to, to keep themselves from confronting the grief and the pain. Yeah. Um, you know, what we say about, what we say about stirb Serena is that it's a stirb and some people say, how do you know it's a stirb versus a hobby? You know, like yeah. it's hard to talk, right? So we always say that um, if it's being done in excess to numb or avoid, okay. If what you're doing is being done in excess in an effort to numb or avoid, it might be a stirb. And stirbs can be, you know, eating too much. It can even be eating too little. It can be sleeping more or not sleeping at all. It depends, right? How our bodies go into this fight or flight almost response to, you know, try and avoid this negative feelings. And that's really what it is. But once you give way to those feelings, you open your heart to it and you allow it to, you allow it to pass through like it should right with with the good support to serena because sometimes people don't feel like the people they're around are safe you have to find a safe person you need at least one safe person if yeah. you have one safe person that you can call and say hey i had a rough day like do you have a few minutes stick with that person and do the same for that person right? You don't need a whole bunch of people. You know, my fiance shared an analogy with me the other day, and I, I thought it really resonated. He said, babe, you know that a ping pong ball and a golf ball are like the same size, right? And I said, yeah, he goes, but a golf ball is much more dense than a ping pong ball. That's why it's heavier. And I said, yes. And so I thought about it, and I thought how a lot of people have relationships that compare to ping pong balls, we have a lot of friends, we have a lot of connections, we have all these people, but the connection is not deep rooted, right? So they're not safe for us. We can't call these people and say, hey, I'm having a rough day, do you have a few minutes? Because they don't know anything about us. We barely know anything about them, right? You need to find those relationships that are dense with meaning and, and, and powerful connection. And, and lean into that, stay close to that, whoever that is for you. And it's okay if it's not your brother or your sister. It's okay if it's not a relative. It's okay if it's, you know, someone you just met last month, that they have qualities and they can be a heart with ears for you and you can do that for them, then do that. It's the key to your healing. 
and everybody needs to heal because everybody has a loss. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a journey. Yeah. And we have to honor our journey. We have to honor where we've been in order to honor who we are, right? So, uh, and sometimes we're afraid of that. Sometimes we're afraid of, of bringing up who we are and where we've been. Maybe we're ashamed of it. Maybe we're in fear of what people will think. Maybe we don't feel like who we are today has anything to do with who, where we've been or, or you know, our past life, right? But yeah. if there are losses associated with that. That's what's important. That needs to be honored. That needs to be given light and love and tender care. You know, that's, um, that's great because I, um, I recently shared something on, on, on the woman warrior tribe platform on Instagram. I, um, and I was thinking about sharing this for a while. Um, and I, and I think it goes, goes in line with the grief with dealing with the grief I had, which is, um, like you guys know, I'm pregnant. And um, I'm actually, um, my partner is deployed. And um, he deployed, I think when, during like my fourth or fifth month of pregnancy, my fourth month of pregnancy, I think. And um, no, fifth month. And uh, it was just like going through it all. It's been really hard. And um I shared the lessons I've learned through that, through um, the pain and the, and the, yes, suffering, but um, also what I learned, um, the, the good that did come out of it as well. Um, and I think that's definitely what I'm hearing out of just everything you're saying is that even though there's so much pain, there is good that can come out of this through the recovery. Um, and I, I, it's on the page, but I shared like about 10 lessons I did learn about being pregnant and alone. Cause even though I'm, I do have friends and like you said, I, I, I do have certain people I do trust and that I talk to, but I had to realize that, that I needed to talk to somebody. I couldn't just, you know, um, sit around and, uh, I do cry and I, I embrace the crying too, but I also couldn't let myself go crazy in the grief portion or in the, I guess the, um, you know, the alone part, I'm sorry, of the feeling alone and not knowing what to do with it um, and realizing that I had to open up at some point and share it and share it in a safe space, like you said. And, uh, and yeah, um, I just, you know, it's, it's been, it's been hard, but the more that I share, like you said, like share in a safe space and uh, feel, you know, against the myths, um, uh, just thinking about how I'm dealing with the loss of, you know, he, even though he's not actually gone, he's just temporarily deployed, you know, it's still very hard. Um, and I have heard people say like, be strong. Um, you know, I've heard people say things like, what, what was the other ones? Um, like, 
Keep busy. Keep busy. Oh my gosh. A lot of people have told me that, um, you know, uh, but the sixth one was the grieve alone. And I, I really, um, I thought I had to go through that. And that's, that was what I shared on the Instagram page, uh, was that I, I did feel pregnant and alone, but I realized that I wasn't alone. I did have my baby with me at all times, following me everywhere, driving, you know, laying down. And I realized I could talk to my baby. Um, and that, that was also really hard for me was to connect my heart and the baby and like the fact that my boyfriend was gone, is gone. And like, I want to talk to him. And, you know, I was focusing so much on that pain, but I wasn't even realizing that I had to focus on my relationship with the baby too. Um, so yeah, just, you know, I just thought I'd share that, um, that little, you know, um, piece of what, what, I guess what I've been experiencing, but just hearing everything you're saying, it's, it's giving me a lot of comfort and a lot of courage too. <laughs> so thank you for that. Very welcome, Serena. Thank you so much for being open to learning more about me and where I've been and, you know, where I hope to be. Um, yeah. It's, I believe, I believe in this work so much, Serena, that I resigned from my career at the local bank after almost 10 years, just last October. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, parting ways from such familiarity caused great grief for me. I was crying a lot. I was, you know, I didn't have an appetite to eat. Um, you know, I felt, I felt the grief. I felt the shift. I felt the conflicting feelings, you know, the feelings of, you know, kind of being free in a sense, right? Free from, you know, um, that I'm going to now pursue, you know, my business as a coach and consultant for grief recovery, but also being sad because, I spent almost 10 years of my life in the same place every morning, every day, right? And there's also financial grief that exists as well. You know, the fear of not having that financial stability, that salary coming in every two weeks now was a scary thing for me, Yeah. right? So I had to lean into that. I had to share that with my fiance. You know, there was a night that I sat outside and I just, I cried, you know, and I cried to him and I told him, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm not contributing. I feel like I'm not carrying my weight in the family, but I just had to separate myself and pursue this work, this grief recovery work, because I believe so much in it. I believe in the power of it. I believe in the change that it could mean for so many people. And I just, that sacrifice was greater than me, you know? Yeah. And so where I, I am to you, I'm just feeling so much gratitude and my yeah. heart is so humble to be here to share this information with you. And, you know, even if we change your life, if this information changes your life, this means something totally different for Ezekiel. Now you have knowledge and information you didn't have yesterday. And so what is that going to mean for you as a mother, as a parent, as a wife, as a grandmother in the future, you know, because let's hope we grow old. Let's hope we live long enough to grow old and see our grandchildren and, and live that life, right? But now you have a wealth of information you didn't have before. You have an understanding of the heart that didn't exist yesterday. So what do we do with that? 
how does that change the quality of our life? For me, it changed the quality of my life 100%. Now that I have created capacity for myself to be compassionate and loving, starting here, I have space for other people. Now I don't get mad when someone cuts me off on the road because maybe they have a wife in the backseat bleeding from a miscarriage, just like how I was the day that Victor drove me to the hospital because I fainted from losing so much blood. He was literally in the center lane from Jigo to GMH honking his horn. I was in the backseat, passed out. I lost so much blood. I thought I was going to die. So now when I see someone just driving erratic on the road, I think, wow, maybe something's going on. Maybe they have to be at the hospital. Exactly. Maybe someone just died. I don't know. We don't know that. When someone at work is not themselves, once we stop taking it personal, it's called Q-tip, quit taking it personal. Once we use the Q-tip and understand that maybe that's not even about us. Maybe they're having a rough day. Maybe they had an argument. Maybe their kid is mad at them. Maybe someone died. Maybe they just found out they're terminally ill, but they can't share it because the world says that's not okay. So now they're acting funny and we want to make it about us. And now we have this conflict at work and it's just, it, it drags versus saying, Hey, Serena, is everything okay? I noticed you were a bit upset when you came in today. Do you want to talk about it? that's it you plant that seed of love and they say man ray i'm sorry i just you know i did my blood work today and now i i find out that i'm i have pre-gestational diabetes and i'm just i'm super upset about it because i was really being careful with what i was eating and now you know i'm stressed out about it Mm, yeah you know and then and then the conversation just takes a turn for the better sometimes you learn more about people yeah. You know, you connect with people and you're, you're able to create space for your, for other people, but you've got to start with you. That's yeah, that's so true. And that's so like, I think people are, are in a, like in a rush, er, like everywhere they go and, and everything they do and with everyone they re, they interact, interact with and don't even think about what that person's going through as well. And Definitely, like you said, planting the seed of love and showing that you can be there for that person can just really open up a lot of, um, you know, it can really open up, uh, I guess, the communication. Um, it can ease people's energies, make people feel better, even just by offering to listen, planting that seed. Um, yeah. And you can create more deep, meaningful connections, Serena. I said earlier, you know, with the ping pong ball and the golf ball, right? How do we create, how do we create more meaningful connections and relationships? How do we create such deep-rooted relationships that we have more people to be safe with and, and, and they can be safe with us equally, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and then when you start with yourself, you, you, you practice the same thing with your partner, And then you practice the same thing with your children and then in the workplace and, you know, and then the quality of your life starts to improve all the way around. Yeah. But you have to work from the inside out. You know, I I always say we, we do a lot of this. We do a lot of, you know, taking, yeah, we we buy expensive clothes. We get new shoes. We do our hair. We do our lashes. We get the newest iPhone. We do such a good job at acquiring things. 
But what happens when we acquire all these distractions sometimes is we bury the core of who we are. Mm-hmm. But once we start working from the inside out, we do like a fine comb of our experiences, what we've been through, our journey, right? We get to know who we are. And sometimes you'll find that we don't feel the need to acquire such distractions once we've worked from the inside out. I love that so much. I I think that's something that people will listen to and be like, wow, I need to do more of that and minimalize all the yeah, all the material things that we do have, you know, the new iPhone, the clothes, the, the, um, you know, even beauty, even though as much as like you see in social media, how much we try to promote um, loving ourselves and uh, being naturally beautiful. I feel like I see more and more like kind of the opposite of that. Um, Lillian, you talked about your favorite book, which was Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Do you have a favorite quote? It doesn't have to be from that book, but do you have a favorite quote that you want to share? Um, I think I think the one that I have on my biography on Instagram, never compare your insides to someone else's outsides is very important. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I love that women are embracing themselves, their bodies, their beauty, um, you know, and, and, and self-care is a holistic thing, right? It's mind, body, and soul. So always making sure that we balance the needs of our mind, body, and soul is important too. Because as much as I see, you know, things trending about, you know, a lot of aesthetics, I guess you could say, you know, the things on the outside, there's also a lot of things that circle social media about inner turmoil, you know, people wanting to know how to be better mentally and emotionally. So, you know, they could start here, right? You know, pick up a copy of the Grief Recovery Method Handbook on Amazon for less than $15. I'm against um, it. Yeah, sometimes you can buy it used. I love buying used books. I love, you know, um, having that book that someone else read that it was in someone else's hands and just having that book journey through my hands is, is a different feeling. So used books are fine too, right? And that can go along with reducing your needs. I think that when we as humans learn to reduce our needs, we can pay a little bit more attention to the soul to the heart, to the inner being, right? And not be so distracted by all of this noise on the outside. So pick up a copy of your Purple Grief Recovery Handbook. I always say read a chapter a day when you're in bed, about ready to go to sleep, you know, whatever time you would spend scrolling on your social media, devote a fraction of that time to reading one chapter a day. And I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear what you think of the book, how, how much it's resonated with you. Um, and if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram. Serena can share my links to my website um, yeah. as well as to my coaching and consulting page. Um, you know, reach out. Please don't be afraid. Don't be hesitant to ask me questions. I'm, you know, I've shared my journey with people because I feel like there's value in that. And I feel like there's value in everyone's journey. Everyone has a light that they carry with them. Yeah, and just to um, Raylene's services, her Instagram page is um, rcacc.services. 
So that's the Instagram handle, rcacc.services. And um, that's where you can reach Raylene. And there's probably gonna be some people that are watching that are, are stateside. Um, can they, can stateside, um, not just- Absolutely. Events, Absolutely, yes. As I mentioned, um, being an advanced group recovery specialist allows me to teach the method um, on Zoom, right? Or on, on a digital okay. platform. So I most definitely can, um, you know, uh, do consultations uh, with anyone in a different time zone, um, you know, as much as I could do consultations with anyone here on Guam. Okay, perfect. Um, I know I, I did send you some some questions, but I'm gonna just kind of kind of um what is it go quickly through them. Um, do you have advice in either one sentence or three sentences to those who um, might be in your shoes, um, have gone through it, or are going through what you went through? Um. I feel like we've gone through all that advice. <laughs> I, I hope so, but I think the one thing I want to leave with anyone watching is don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of your journey, where you've been, and where you are today. I don't think that there's a formula to life. If there was, everyone would be successful and happy and educated and um, all good things, right? But there isn't a formula to life. Um, your journey is unique to you. And I, and Serena, I, I say that everyone has a human print, you know, like a thumbprint, fingerprint, your fingerprint is unique to you, right? Your human print is unique to you as well. Your human print is a combination of your experience, all of your, your, your life, your entire life's journey that's all uniquely timed and experienced by you. That's your human print. That's, that's the power you have in the world today is who you are. There's nobody like you. Um, Serena, just like my sister and I, we were raised, she's, you know, she's a year younger than me. We were raised by the same parents. We were like almost always together. Our human prints are different because we experience different things at varying degrees of emotion and responses. And because of that, our belief systems are unique. Our hearts are unique. Our experiences are all different, right? So your human print is unique to you. And don't be ashamed of that. I love don't, that. Just as much as your, your fingerprint is unique to you, so is your journey and your life's experiences. I love that so much. The human print. I think that's going to resonate. And you know, I envision it. I envision it as like a th like two thumbs in the shape of a heart, right? Mm. Kind of like that with, yeah. the grooves, with the grooves of your thumbprints, right? And the grooves of your, your fingerprint kind of representing all of your experiences, the journeys, the different paths you've taken, the different relationships you've had, all your memories. Those are what the grooves in your fingerprint represent for me. Right. And okay. so that's where I kind of came up with the idea of, well, everyone has a unique human print as much as you have a unique thumbprint. So um, that's a beautiful thought. That's a beautiful way to look at it. I, I'm, I'm so glad you shared that. Um, is there anything, um, is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap it up? I know we've been on for a while, so I don't want to <laughs> keep you. I don't want to keep no, you. I don't want to keep you either. I know it's the evening, um, you know, just 
sharing love and light to you all, um, you know, wanting you to know that it's okay to be human. It's okay to honor your journey, where you've been, and know that there isn't any shame in that. Um, you're not broken. You might have a broken heart, but you're not broken. And please feel free to reach out, even if you want to know more, if there's anything about me that you want to know more about. Um, I'm an open book, so thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, Serena, our time is our most valuable, non-renewable resource. So, you know, we have to spend it carefully, right? Because it's non-renewable. It doesn't, it's, it's, it could expire at any moment. So, you know, your healing is definitely worth your non-renewable energy, I think. I love that. Raylene, I could, I could literally sit down and listen to you speak. Like you should start a podcast of your own. <laughs> I'm just going to plug like the second person that told me that I had a friend tell me that. And I thought I could never start a podcast, but then I thought maybe I can. I'll just, I know. Give you, I'll give you all the Amazon links to this mic, this little light I have. And really oh. um, you should, I, I can listen to you all day. I think you're just so well-spoken, but also I think I could feel so much love that's coming out of everything you're saying and that you really do know uh, what you're talking about and it's coming from a place of love and I really feel that just like coming through you so I think you should consider it if not a podcast like a YouTube channel or um, even just you know post little videos on your Instagram I'll watch it I'll share it <laughs> yeah thank I love, you I love everything you said I, I and I, um, I again I, I'm sorry for your loss and I think that um, what you're doing to, um, I guess, you know, heal from that and recover from that, you're, you're like, you, you're, you're, you said to me earlier, like, you know, I'm a light, but I, I really do feel like you're, you're a, a true light and you're just like shining super bright. <laughs> oh, that's so cheesy, but yeah, no, um, I, I thank you so much for coming on um taking time to to chat with me to share everything you learned um and I know that the women that I'm gonna share this with and when I share it on the the Instagram um I think they'll really love this interview and your story so thank you so much you're welcome thank you too Serena I, I hope you have a safe and um speedy recovery uh, I hope that the next time I see you, I could see baby Zeke, but um, mm -hmm. if you have any questions for me in the meantime, please don't hesitate to reach out.